My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church, and thank you so much for joining us this morning um, on Family uh, Dedication Day, uh, which is always an exciting day uh, for everyone involved as we really just thank God for the blessings of children, uh, just for, and not just for these families, but for our church that we have added to our family and that we come together as a faith family and we commit basically to raise these kids together uh, for the glory of God. And so today we're going to look at Proverbs and how Proverbs really instructs us as parents and us as the church uh, to train and raise these kids up. And, you know, it's funny as, you know, you get ready to preach on a thing like this and, you know, uh, if you're on social media at all, you've heard of Time Hop where it shows you old pictures uh, from years past. And today is Hayes, my oldest son's birthday, who's now five years old. And, and so I'm getting ready this morning, and this picture pops up right here. It's like my favorite picture of me and Hayes. Like, it's when I first got Hayes. It's right before the tar poop. If you know what I'm talking about, that first diaper you change, full of the tar poop, where you're like, what is going on here? Give him back. But it's that first moment when you, when you have your child, and you have hair at that time, and you have all these things. And, um, and you're just so wide-eyed, and there's just this kind of, there's kind of two feelings. Overwhelming joy and overwhelming fear, Correct? This is great joy, and then great, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Who let me do this? And, uh, and you think, okay, what's, what's happening here? Uh, what's going on here? And, and every step along the way of walking with your kids and walking with kids in general, you're reminded um, of their brokenness, of their sin, and the work ahead of us. And you're even more reminded of your own sin, of your own brokenness, of all the work God's doing in our hearts today. And so that's where we are. And I think about Hayes and Connor and Hattie, my kids, and, and I think I can't just, I can't pray hard enough. I can't wait long enough to see the things that God could do through their lives. Because, you know, you know how you are, you know, I'm almost 40 years old, oh my goodness, and you know, you see life happening, and you really begin to see that like, okay, my role, one of my primary roles is to pour into these, these kids God has given me to do things that I can't even imagine that could happen through their lives. I feel like I've read this past season so many books or articles about these great men of God and great women of God, and it's stories about their parents, and the people around them, the grandparents as well, that poured into them, and these grandparents and these parents, no one knows their names. But they know the, the names of their sons, their daughters, their grandsons, their granddaughters. And so church, as we're all kind of tired in, in this midst of just loving and discipling our kids, I want to tell you, we are laying a foundation there's a great mission, a great call ahead of us as a church. Even those of you in here that don't have kids, that are walking with us, you are walking with us as a church to help us raise up this next generation to enter in this brokenness in the world and do kingdom work. And I think of the, the book, of, book of Proverbs in general, it's primarily this record of a father's instruction to their child. So in a sense, the book of Proverbs, the whole thing in a sense is this parenting advice. And so, you know, trying to preach today, it's like, okay, how can I whittle this down to like 30 minutes? We have kids in here. We have dedication happening. How can we kind of really focus our time today? Here's my hope for us today is two foundational truths to raising godly, world-changing disciples of Jesus' kids. Two foundational truths, 
and a few everyday truths to get us through the week. Let's go to Proverbs 22.6. Let me pray for us. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, um, as we uh, just pause to open your word and let your word begin to um, shape our lives, change our hearts, Father. Let the good news of your gospel that we just sang about, that we are a people that are a, a spirit of singing hallelujah in all things, Father. And it's from that spirit that we open your words and we ask you to speak to us, Father. Father, we have parents, uncles, friends, grandparents, just people trying to make it here today, Father. We ask you to speak to us over these next few minutes. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 22.6. If you've been in church at all, you've heard this, this verse before. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. The Hebrew word translated train appears three other times in the Old Testament. In those three other times, it really refers to like dedicating houses to God, to a man. It's this idea of dedication. So this word train is almost too small for the picture of really consecrating our kids to God, covenanting our entire life, spiritually shepherding their hearts to him. It's not just like uh, doing spiritual sit-ups. It's this idea that the entire point of our parenting is say, God, these are your kids. Let's point them on your way. That's the whole point of Christian parenting. It's to say, okay, my life, my direction now is to point my kids away from the wide path and point them towards the narrow path, which is lots of fun. It's not hard at all. It's like, you know, the easiest thing in the world. You know, this verse many times is a place of guilt uh, for parents who have kids who are older and who are wayward and also a real sense of anxiety for young parents like myself who think, okay, I've got to be perfect at this. Every single night, devotion this, devotion that, or my kids are going to go away. And so I read this this week from John Piper, which I thought was Really helpful for me to hear this. It says this right here. The only perfect father that e- who ever was had a son, <clears throat> excuse me, who went astray. Israel is God's son and was rebellious almost in its entire existence in spite of all of God's fatherly ways with his child. Here's an example. Hosea 11, 1 through 2 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. God is talking here. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. This is God, the perfect father, pleading with his son. And what does he get for it? A lifetime. I mean, a history of time. The whole history of Israel, the whole history of the Old Testament shows that this son is rebellious. That calmed my heart this week a little bit. The perfect father, the rebellious son of Israel right here. And so we see this. There is, there's, this is a general truth. But it's not a black and white truth that if we do this, this, and this, this comes out. It doesn't work that way. But there is this sense. Parents hear this. Church hear this. We are called to intentionally fight, pray, and set the path for our children. Like, that is on us. 
not on a program, on a school, or a teacher, or anything else, or a grandparent, or an aunt, or an uncle. It is on us as the parents to fight, pray, and intentionally set the path for our children. Listen, and I know all of you are doing really great things with your life. I know that. I, I talk to you doing great. You're doing great works in your job. I, I believe you spend your money wisely. You help people. Hear this. There is no greater work in your life than your children. There is no greater work. There is no longer lasting work in your life than your children. Nothing in our lives will make the mark that we do on our children. There is no culture-changing work in your life than like your kids. Because we're raising up. They see it every single day. We teach them every single day how they can enter into the world and do tremendous things for God's kingdom that we could never do. It is the great work of our life. This is the opposite of passive parenting. Many times we get caught up that we think parenting is about uh, just simply hygiene, feeding, uh, education. Those are really important things. Don't have, don't have gross kids. That's fine. Don't do that. But there is a much greater work. It's not just kind of showing them and doing the basics. This in a sense, here's our first foundational truth. Christian parenting is warfare parenting. When you, when you commit to the way, the way of wisdom, the way of Jesus, the smaller, narrow path, you are opening yourself up, your home, your life, for spiritual warfare. Why is it every night at bedtime, for me, when it's devotion time, when it's prayer time, it's the absolute last thing in the world that I ever want to do. I'm the guy preaching this morning. It's the last thing I want to do. I can tell you right now, it is spiritual warfare. This morning, my alarm goes off at 5.30. I don't want to get up and preach because it's spiritual warfare. The enemy does not like us coming and proclaiming and singing and celebrating the truth of the gospel. And we have to be aware when we go down the narrow path and point our kids to the narrow path, we are entering spiritual warfare. Listen, a child's natural way, all through Proverbs you see this, a child's natural kind of bent and you know this, you're, 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 you see kids, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. Proverbs 7, 7. I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline, amen, drives it far from him. It's important to remember this. You're appointing your child away from a sense of their natural desire. Their bent is towards selfishness, towards folly, towards laziness. At least y'all's kids are. Mine are not bent that way. They're bent towards these, these things. And when we point and set towards the way of wisdom, the way of Jesus, it's the start of war. There's war in their hearts. There's war in your heart. There's war in your home. This is hard. This is really, really, really hard. And I can say one thing to you today that if you're a parent in the midst of this to encourage you, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. Truthfully, it's probably the, one of the hardest things we will ever do as followers of Jesus is to raise up these kids and train them and dedicate them and point them to the narrow path. 
Not only is it hard because we're kind of prone towards sin and our kids are kind of prone towards sin, it's hard because this goes against everything in culture now, right? Everything in our culture. Matthew seven fourteen, For the gate is narrow, and the way, the way of Jesus, it is hard. It is hard. We, we always jump to it leads to life, and that is so true. But we're tired many times because the way of Jesus is hard. It is hard. There's spiritual warfare in the midst of that. But it leads to life. And those who find it are few. And it definitely seems nowadays that in culture, that in the world, it's like that, that other gate's getting wider and wider. And, and this way is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and harder and harder and harder. It's so interesting. When you read Proverbs and you read about the fool who, who is lazy, who just always speaks these words of death, who is selfish, has no self-control. And you think about, my gosh, this is social media in 2017. That our culture, in a sense, has gone the way of the fool. And we're trying to parent and raise up and live in this way of the fool where the fool is so accessible. There is folly all around us that we can have with one click and over and over and over. And then folly becomes the identifying factor of our kids' lives. And we call them a fool and point them towards hope and Jesus. And there's this rub, there's this battle because all of culture is saying it's okay to be the fool. Be yourself. You do you. You be happy. What brings you joy? What does you, 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 you? And there's just this war that we're in the middle of. Because the way of Jesus includes self-sacrifice. Right? Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your death and follow me. The way of Jesus, sacrifice as opposed to the maximum comfort and enjoyment the world offers. The way of Jesus includes humility and meekness and not being known as opposed to self-promotion that is the, the hallmark of our society today. Look at me. Look at all the great things I'm doing. Post a picture here, a comment here, a this here. Look at me. The way of Jesus is meekness, is humility, The way of Jesus includes mutual submission to others as opposed to autonomy and doing things for yourself and by yourself, being an individual. The way of Jesus is radically, excuse me here, I'm trying to fix this, radically, radically inclusive with others. But hear this, the way of Jesus also includes great joy in the midst of extreme discomfort, extreme loss, extreme pain. The way of Jesus includes this extended family of God to do life with, to laugh with, to celebrate with, to mourn with. The the way of Jesus includes living a life of purpose and meaning that is completely against the way of the world and this small view of living. That this narrow path It does lead to life. It does bring good news. So as we enter this kind of parent journey, as we're on this parent journey, there is a war. There is a small path 
that we're leading our kids down that is hard. I guess I would ask you this today. Are your children, if I ask them, I'm not going to do it, don't worry. If I ask them, do you see this being real in your parents' life? What would they say? Because before we begin to teach or even try to show, we ourselves as, as parents have to go down the narrow path. They learn the narrow path by walking alongside us. They don't learn the narrow path by pointing that way. They come with us and they see this life that includes pain, includes sacrifice, but also includes this great surpassing joy and peace that should be evident to our kids around us. So we see that the start of this, it's easy to see that uh, this journey is going to be hard. There's going to be warfare. There's going to be loss. It's going to be difficult. But what is hard is the everyday. We can see the start. You can agree, yes, it's the intention of my parenting. I can go with you, but it gets hard every single day. How do I muster the energy of every day to like live this life for Jesus and for my kids? Second foundational truth. Great parenting comes from great worshiping. Great parenting comes from great worshiping. Worshiping God leads to life and wisdom. We don't go for life and wisdom and try to get some God. No, we worship God. We fear God. It leads to life and wisdom. Look at Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Derek Kidner says this. The beginning is not merely a right method of thought, but it's a right relation a worshiping submission, a fear to the God of the covenant who has revealed himself by name. That the first step is a right relationship, not a right method. Parenting is not ultimately about teaching behaviors. It's about facilitating a right relationship with God. Your first job as a parent is to help your child relate to the God of the covenant through Jesus. You tell your, God, your kid that God is holy. You tell your child they are a sinner. You tell your child that you're a sinner. That you you can be reconciled through the life, through the death of Jesus Christ. Tell them they can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and overcome sin and death. Deuteronomy 6, the, the Shema, the passage that is always used when talking about godly parenting. It says this right here, that you should love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That you should love God with all of you, with the whole of yourself, with, with, with the way you speak your words, what's in your heart, the way you work. All of you should be this worshiping vehicle for God. We're, we're singing these songs uh, this morning and just these great just gospel truths uh, about how we were the ones who put Jesus on the cross. And um, and when I sing songs like that, I'm reminded, and we all go through this, we start confessing sins to God. I do when we sing these songs. You know, you got the big sins, you got the little sins, right? That you think in your head they're big and there's little, there's this, there's that. But as I'm singing these songs, and I'm truly overwhelmed just at my sin, (laughs) the fact that I am 
such a part of the fallenness of this world. And then we keep singing, right? And we see about how those sins have been nailed to the cross. And those sins are no more. And there is this sense in my heart where I just scream out, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for reconciling me to yourself. And I'm sitting here thinking, that is really the essence of Christian parenting. So uh, during the song, uh, I'm going to call you out, Luke. Um, Ashley and Claire are coming down the aisle to... um, to sit down. And Luke is just, you know, going full charismatic on us, both hands raised. And uh, you can tell um, that he is uh, worshiping God in that moment. And Claire had to wait for her dad to stop worshiping to get to her seat. And <laughs> that is, uh, and, and truthfully, that is just to me, there's just great picture. Kids, hear this. I know a lot of your parents, they love God. And when they're singing, when they're reading God's word, when they're lifting their hands, when they're crying, when they're praying, it's because they love God for real. This isn't a game to them. And parents, I pray that we are always, our kids always catch us. Does that make sense? They catch us reading God's word. They catch us encouraging others. They catch us crying out for God to move. They catch us singing songs to God. They catch us weeping. They catch us confessing sins. That we are parents who are caught because we are living lives of worship and confession and trust in Jesus. That's my prayer for us as a church, as parents, as a faith family. That our kids would catch us worshiping God. So there's this, um, these foundational truths. Uh, we're starting this warfare that worshiping God leads to great parenting. And those are true. But then there is the, um, there's this, there's this day-to-day. There is the, um, so, you know, this week, you know, Hayes' birthday was today. And so Friday night was party night. Then yesterday was fair day. Um, and so it was just this great time with our family. Um, but I'm exhausted. And you know what? I'm preaching today, and we got part dinner tonight, and then Monday's Monday. And so um, this, so we can have these kind of uh, foundational truths. I think a lot of you have, that you believe you're the primary faith trainer and that you're called to fight for your kids through prayer and through pointing them to Jesus. You believe that. And I believe you love God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And you're showing your kids this. I know that. But tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow's Monday. And the entire thing's coming at you tomorrow. So how do we daily do this? How do we daily live this out? Well, the first way that we daily fight for our kids is discipline. There we go. Amen. Discipline. Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. We discipline them to teach them to worship God, not change behavior. Many times um, we all default towards behavior parenting. That we think the point of our parenting is to raise kids who are good citizens, who say yes ma'am, who say no ma'am, who are good manners, who bathe well, all those kind of things. Those are all good things, especially bathing. Those are all really good things. 
It's not the ultimate purpose in your parenting. It, it, it cannot be the day-to-day aim in your parenting to have them just do good things. A, they'll be exhausted from doing good things, have no heart for the Father. Or they can't do these good things, just get bitter towards you. Romans 8.24 says this, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and his forbearance and his patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's his kindness that leads to repentance. When you discipline your kids, are you pointing them to the kindness of Jesus? Are you pointing them to the fountain of the gospel? that leads to true, heartfelt repentance? Or are we just bullying our kids with our authority? So they do what we say, when we say it, and how to do it. Listen, the struggle is real. I get it. But this is what we discipline from. We discipline from this place of worship, right? That we realize it's God's kindness that led us to repentance. That we come in as worshipers, as we discipline our kids. We come in with softness, with humility, with mercy, because our kids are showing foolishness. Listen, your kids are fools. Your kids are fools. My kids are fools. Don't be surprised when kids act foolish. We should come in with kindness, with love, with mercy. That's how we come in. Then as we discipline We are pointing them to fear the Lord, to worship God, not behavior change. The behavior is the symptom. It's the fruit. It's not the point. We point to Jesus over and over and over again. Discipline is not just punishment. It's to show them that sin has consequences. It's not punitive. But it shows that sin has consequences. Look at Proverbs 12.1. We have to teach our kids to love discipline. See this in Proverbs. Look at this right here. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. That's tough. We need to teach them to love discipline. To install a sense of need for the gospel. Jeremy Pierre says it like this. We cannot attain perfect obedience from our children, nor should we want to. Our children will fail to obey. Our goal is not to produce perfect obedience, but to provide regular demonstration that sin has consequences. The point of discipline is to show need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not to hone children to the point of not needing it. And we model this in our kids by being adults who are open to reproof. That we ourselves as adults are still needy parents. That we're still highly aware of our, of our need for the gospel. Let me ask you this. How do you respond when your spouse lovingly corrects you and reproves you? Not the jerky stuff. Take that away. But when they just talk to you and say, I am concerned about this. What is your spirit, your openness, your love for discipline and reproof? Because if we're not open to that, we're not going to teach our kids to follow that as well. 
we must model this first. Humble, teachable worshipers will do great kingdom work. Hear that. Humble, teachable worshipers will do great kingdom work. So the first kind of day-to-day thing is we discipline. And the second is we cultivate. We cultivate worship in our homes. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6 real quick. It says here, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand that shall be as a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is an extreme picture here that we are always cultivating worship in the heart of our children. This is why on Sundays we don't sleep in. That we come and we check them in and we bring them in here and we tell them to be quiet and we sit with them, we show grace, we show patience because we want them to see that this is real to us. We want to cultivate a heart of worship. This is why when we mess up, and we yell at our kids, we come back five minutes later and we confess our sin in front of our kids. So they can learn what it's like to be needy for the gospel. This is why we gather in a discipleship relationship and we grow as parents, as adults, at following Jesus because we have to cultivate a heart of worship in our home and our kids' lives. That's why we At 7.30 at night when we're tired and we're ready to just kind of cash it in, we sit down and we explain to them how much God loves them and how much God loves us. And we teach them these foundational truths. We're teaching them that they need something greater than themselves. Let me ask you this. This is for parents, just people here grandparents, aunts, uncles, what is stirring in your heart today? So we've talked about the gospel and we sing about the gospel and we kind of had this lens of of parenting today and raising up kids. You, You may be out of the parenting game altogether and that's great. What is God stirring in your heart today? Where is God at work in your heart today? And for our parents Many times our parenting failures, our parenting worries show where there's not trust and belief in the gospel. So so where are you at your wits end today? Where are you living in fear today? Where are you living in worry today? Because God wants to enter in and help you trust the gospel in all those areas. To believe the gospel in all of life. And here's what I'd encourage all of us today is to confess. To confess your sin. Maybe for you, you've never actually decided to follow Jesus. Maybe years ago at a, at a, a VBS or some kind of event, you walked down an aisle because you, you didn't want to go to hell, and that's, I understand that completely. But maybe today, this is the day for you where you say, I have never truly trusted and believed and rested in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Maybe today is your time to confess and repent and believe in the gospel. Maybe there's this area of your life and your parenting or your finances or whatever where you need to confess and repent 
and believe and worship. Because my prayer is that one day we look up in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and we have these young adults who were humble. This idea of, of wisdom really starts this fear of God and it becomes this humble and teachable person. But if we have these men and women who are just humble, who are teachable, and they just truly love God with all of their being, and we send them out to Shreveport, to Bossier, to Southeast Asia, because these kids are not our own. We are dedicating them to God and pointing them on this way, and that God can do miraculous things that we can't imagine right now. That churches are planted, that hungry are fed, that orphans are adopted, that people hear the gospel never heard the gospel before. All these things, God has given us just this great opportunity. And so I would encourage all of us today, where is God at work in your life? Confess that. Come talk to one of us. Pastors will pray for you. Write it on your card. Today is the day to take a step. Where is God at work in your life? Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your good news this morning. Father, remind us of our neediness, Lord. Lord, remind us of your good news right now. Lord, show us our need for you this morning. Father, I pray for hearts to confess their sin to you, Lord. To believe and trust in your gospel this morning. Lord, help us take tangible steps today, Lord, to begin truly investing in our kids. Father, give life and renewal and hope and energy to our weary today, Lord. And as we respond, Lord, today in song to you, Lord, let us worship from the deepest parts of our hearts and souls this morning. And Lord, let you be glorified and our community changed uh, from our response in worship. Pray all this in Jesus' name.
the offering uh, baskets. Let me say a quick prayer over that. Our offering, and then um, we'll ask our parents who are uh, dedicating their uh, kids if they could kind of head to the back, and, um, and then we'll ask them to come up front here in a moment. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for, uh, man, the words and truth and conviction of the song that, Jesus, everything is about you. 
Uh, your word even says of itself that uh, about you that you are before all things and in all things. And so, uh, Jesus, we pray that um, everything we do from the obedience in our worship, uh, worship through giving and singing and just how we live our lives will point others to you. I pray that you would use the funds taken up today to extend your kingdom to literally around the world. There are people who have never heard your name. I pray that um, through the obedience of our people and our generous giving that uh, those people would actually hear and maybe even see the gospel at work um, because of this investment. I pray for those that are walking through just difficult times in life and they're writing uh, prayer requests on these cards that are turning, they're turning in that probably you would move in an incredible way and that you would have visible answers to these requests that they're making. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, as the baskets are being passed, um, just set this up just real quickly. Um, really, t- two quick announcements before I guess we get into that part. 